Hello and welcome to episode 9 of FPL Context with me, Steve. And me, Greg. Now, it's been two weeks of absolute pain. We've had sitting with the news of possible COVID for a couple of our FPL players, which has obviously kept us biting our nails throughout the whole time. We've had the news that Premier League are going to be showing what they were showing free on pay-per-view now, fourteen ninety-nine for a game, which is a joke. And then we thought, oh, well, I guess England can cheer us up. And then Gareth Southgate plays five at the back against Denmark and we score one penalty and one deflected goal in two games in the Nations League. So it's been pretty horrible. Um, Greg, can you sum up in one word what you think about Gareth Southgate's back five? It's, uh, it's just pathetic, I'd say. Um, I just... I just can't believe how defensive England are playing at the moment. It's just we've got five at the back and then our midfield two is Rice and Phillips. And yeah. I, I don't get it. And like, even when Maguire got sent off and we didn't even make the sub until they'd gone and scored the penalty. So we were 1-0 down at this point. And then he subs on another centre-back. And I just don't get why we're going so defensive. Mate, it's that tactics. It's that tactic. That's that tactical nails that Southgate's got. Like... He's got it in his back pocket. I really think Grealish is probably, I don't know, he must be sleeping with Southgate's misses because I, I, I don't know how he's not getting any minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. I really don't get it. I thought Grealish was really impressive when he did play the other night. And It makes me laugh because he's like, oh, well, yeah, we'll pick Mount because he's he's really good at pressing. How about we just, I don't know, what about, should we just keep the ball? How about yeah. we probably can keep the ball? <laughs> we, we, won't, we don't need anyone pressing if we can actually keep it. But um, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll go off Southgate because uh, we'll end up, I'll end up doing them on that. Um, so we're talking about the agenda tonight. So what we're going to be doing, Greg, is we're going to be talking about our strategy around how we're dealing with COVID. Obviously, a very different season to season before. We've really got to take into um, consideration possible outbreaks within teams. Uh, then we'll be looking at Son versus Bale versus Kane. Have a look there see who we think is the best option and maybe do we need two of them. Then we'll be looking at the returning Chelsea assets, um, Pulisic, Ziyech, and then talking about how that can probably it will benefit the likes of Werner and Havertz. And then we'll go into game week five, our bro versus bro differential competition and then captaincy. So we've got a pack show for you guys uh, and let's start with COVID, right? The C word that no one wants to hear. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have been saying in the community, Greg, a lot about having a strong bench. Um, even people talking about having a backup goalkeeper what isn't a 4.0. Uh, what do you think about that? Do we need to be more flexible? Do we need to have more uh, strength on our benches? 100% is absolutely certain uh, that you need a lot of strength in your bench this year. You need at least players that are going to play. And um, you, I think you definitely need backups because there's definitely going to be people missing out of COVID, unfortunately. And it seems like that could easily be a thing as well, where you don't find out until the day of the game. So it could throw you onto the bus in terms of trying to make a transfer or something. So you definitely need backups. Otherwise, you will have players that won't play at some point. It's just inevitable. How likely is it, though, that you'll, ha- you'll need all three subs? Um all three outfield subs, it seems like it's going to be unlikely to me. Yeah. Like, I think 
people talking about having three strong options. I don't think that's needed, but maybe two. So have a 4.5 midfielder who's playing or someone like a Ziyech, not a Ziyech, bloody hell, Sushek. And uh, and then also a defender at 4.5. There's so many good options there. So just making sure that these assets are playing. If you if on Saturday it comes out after the deadline that one of your players has uh, got a bit of a cough, yeah, and the thing is as well is um, it also depends on the rest of your team. So I think if you have the likes of Reese James or Phil Foden, two players I have, I can't be sure that either of those are going to play. So yeah, because they're part of my starting eleven, they're already two, maybe quite uncertainties. So if there's other myth, uh, other absences elsewhere, then I could really be in trouble. Yeah, another one is um, what people are saying is obviously Brewster, he's moved to Sheffield United, he's 4.5. But for me, I think the three attacking spots are absolutely vital up front because there's so much value in there and the likes of Morpé, Antonio, um, people like that, Ollie Watkins. There's so much value there. Do you really want to waste one of your striker spots on someone like Brewster when if you look at Sheffield United's fixtures, they're not good at all. And as an attacking force, they look poor. So... Is he really going to hit the ground running? I know it's only 4.5, but I just think that's a, a vital spot you want to fill with someone who's actually going to like play regular. Yeah, I think the thing is, it depends how well you think he'll do there because I think he's got a lot of potential, but he is in a very, very blunt side in terms of attack. I really haven't seen anything from Jeff United so far, personally. And at the end of the day, I know he's 4.5, but if he's going to start for you, I guess it's different if he's not going to start, but if he's going to start for you, you have to remember, like, it doesn't just matter about price. Like, you need to fill, like, the 100 mil mark anyway. So you might as well just get someone more expensive, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think, I think if Brewster was a midfielder, for example, then I'd be, like, at, like a, a winger or something like that reclassified. I'd be more interested about the fact that he's taken one of those free attacking spots when there's so many options and there's so many goals going in that I just think you want to sp- spend the money that extra bit of money on that first striking spot. So the likes of, like I said, Watkins looks a great option, especially from last week. So with COVID, um, I can't really talk because my bench is pretty weak. Um, I've got I've got Basuma on my bench, but I've also got um, I've got Mitchell and Ferguson. So they're both four uh, 4.0 options. They've signed Klein, they've signed, and they've also got Van Arnhout. So it looks like they're pretty weak options now. I'm going to have to probably probably increase the value of my bench a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm definitely in the same boat there. I think um, up to this point, my bench hasn't been too bad. I've got uh, Burke for Sheffield United, but he's suddenly become a bit of a doubt with Brewster coming in. And I don't really know how sure his minutes are, but considering he was playing up front, it seemed, for the start of the season. And also, uh, I had really good defence. I had uh, one sub-defender all the time, which I was pretty much relying on. If anyone didn't play, I had a, a defender who could come in. But I have Davis up front instead of Brewster, which is a bit annoying now, really, because Davis has dropped in price. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, um, another thing is that I just think that early transfers this season have you have to just accept that team value isn't as important this year i think early transfers you want to just make sure that you hold off until those press conferences and those vital bits of team news on thursday and friday i know managers they can sometimes offer not too much value on a friday or thursday conference but 
like that extra bit of information might be really key because, for example, the likes of Bruno coming back from Portugal where Cristiano's had COVID, you don't know what's going to happen there. Wolves players, you don't know what's going to happen there. So if you've made those early transfers, you might be you might be masking up a, an eight-point hit, even a 12-point hit, you don't know. So it's um, early transfer seems like something that we probably want to put in our back pocket for a little while to make, until the situation changes. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And unfortunately, that has that has been what I've done so far this season. And it has restricted me sometimes in terms of price rises and price drops. There's been transfers I've wanted to make that I ended up having not made because the prices have changed during that time. But I feel like maybe it's just a sacrifice that needs to be done. Yeah, and I don't know why, I don't know why I'm talking up too much because as soon as I watched Werner against Palace, I just literally lost the plot and just went, right, he's gone. So I've done a transfer straight away and I've been... As soon as I brought in Kane, took a four-point hit, uh, brought in Kane, and then when I heard Kane had a slight uh, injury, I thought, oh, I've literally been done over here. But thankfully, he's, he's come back there. It was only just a bit of cramp, but it, it just shows the kind of position you can leave yourself in with early transfers. So it's a, le- a lesson definitely learned. Um, the funny thing is, I think um, the first couple hours after watching one of your players play is probably the most the time where you're most keen to make a transfer it's just so annoying when someone plays poor in your team and you know someone else is going to bang in the goal so just so tempted to hit that button oh yeah especially when Chelsea bang four and Werner doesn't get one and you're just like oh yeah uh, this guy's just literally not doing it yeah um, I fully expect him to score a hat-trick against Southampton this weekend (laughs) I'd take that I've got him in my team still still going strong well I'll be crying um (laughs) And then I think one more point I would say about the managing COVID is probably yesteryears we've been more worried about taking hits. I think this year is just different. I think hits are going to be a lot more regular occurrence for us. Um, and you're just, sometimes it's just about the fun of the game. And you want you want to make sure that your if your best players are out with COVID, you need to, if you, and you need to take a hit, you have to, just don't don't worry about it. Bring those players in to just make sure that you'll be able to watch at least a full side play over the weekend. So I think hits this year are not a bigger deal as the yesteryears. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, right, so let's move on to Spurs. And Spurs is a touchy subject because they absolutely spanked mine and Greg team last time we saw. Um, the last game was 6-1 against United, which is... Still taking a bit of getting over. Um, but I guess the big thing, what a lot of the community is now talking about, is Bale versus Son, or both. And then a certain Gareth Bale is coming back in the mix. Now, Gareth Bale is only is 0.4% owned. So he's a hell of a differential. 9.5. You've seen all those videos of him on social media. Uh, scoring goals against looks like Tottenham's fifth choice goalkeeper <laughs> and then he's just literally slotting them in not even decent shots and he's just letting them in so I don't know if it's one of the social media team goes right mate you dived completely the wrong way and Gareth put it in the other corner but <laughs> it, it looks like it was been quite staged but obviously we know what he can do in the Premier League we know what he can do as an FPL asset Gareth Bale at 9.5 what are you saying Greg? I'm saying no right now. <laughs> just a big no. I just don't, I personally don't um, 
I definitely see where people are coming from. Like when Bale was in the Premier League all that time back, he was incredible. Um, but he's 0.5 more than uh, Son already. And Son is banging him in. He's got so many goals so far. And it looks like Son's the, the main man in attack. He seems like Kane's playing a bit more deeper with Son making the runs in behind. And he's getting a lot of goals off of it. Son's basically proven himself in the first four games. So why not stick with him? Yeah. Yeah. Son got a, got a price rise um, the other day. He's up to 9.1 now. Um, but he's been brought in by over a million managers this game week. A million. I don't know when I last saw that. But over a million managers have brought him in. And like you said, he's already he's got six goals already, which is amazing. And he's also got one assist. But the question is, is Kane a better option? Because Kane's had 19 shots compared to Son's 10. He's had 14 in the box compared to Son's 7. His expected goals is 3.53, whereas Son's is 2.96. Uh, Kane's had six assists and he's also got an expected assist of 3.2 compared to Son's 1.96. Now, the question is, is Kane worth an extra 1.5 million over Son? I think it's a very interesting one. I think Kane's playing quite a different role this year where he's not straight up all out attack. I think he's playing a bit more deep at times, playing the balls in. His assist potential has increased tenfold. Like it's crazy the amount of assists he's getting at the moment and the amount of incredible passes I'm seeing him do. He's as good a passer as anyone is, to be honest. But um, I just think 1.5 mil is a big difference. And I think um, Son is getting a lot. I know the XG says uh, he's getting lower um, chances than Kane, but I think the runs in behind from Son are just going to be so deadly with Kane playing him through. I personally, I'm, I've got Son and I'm happy with Son. Yeah, well, Son, Son's an amazing option. Um, but I actually think that Bale will hinder Son more than he'll hinder Kane because I think Kane's going to still continue to do that role, drop back slightly, and then put the balls through over the top for the likes of Son, but also the likes of Bale. So I think there's a cis potential on both sides for Kane to put those, those through balls through. Whereas I don't think Son will be getting as much supply because obviously it's going to have another option running behind him, Bale. And also, he'll be taking some of the chances. Um, Bale will be taking some of the chances, which Son will be having from Kane putting him through. So I actually think uh, the emergence of Bale will hinder Son slightly, and it will help uh, Kane even more with that assist potential. And obviously, with the likes of Bale and the likes of Son running, Kane's always got the penalties too. So... I've actually brought Kane in because I think I think when Bale joins that lineup, it's just going to further strengthen Kane's appeal. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very good point she made, and I think there's another big point about the penalties. Like that seems to be a big thing this year, something we've talked about a lot already. Um, so there's that, and then I do definitely see what you mean. There's definitely more assist potential there with Bale coming in. Yeah, and I just. But what I would say is there's definitely a case for both of them. Um, yeah. So either Kane and Son or Kane and Bale or even Son and Bale. Like you really could work it around because Spurs' fixtures look good. They look really good. And then, but the big question is for me is how good are Spurs 
because did they just face two awful defensive displays from two teams where they, they racked up the goals, whereas in the other games, they didn't score against Everton and only got one against Newcastle. So it's really hard to judge. Yeah, I think um, I 100% agree. And I think Son especially is a good example for that. Although Kane, you could argue the same. I think uh, Son's hauls have both come in those two games and you could say they're probably the two worst defensive displays you'll ever see. So, And then in the other two games, he blanked. So it's really hard to know how good an option actually is he when he's scoring so many points against teams which are pretty much just letting them score. Yeah, well, United defended like Rentford rejects and uh, <laughs> and Southampton. They were just playing high line on the on the halfway line and just thought, nah, we just won't bother. We won't bother running back. <laughs> so it is a it's quite funny, really. Um, it was going to be really interesting to see how that progresses because, like you said, it's really hard to judge them because they've had two. Well, they've been quiet against. They didn't score against Everton. They only got one against Newcastle, and then they've like you said, two of the worst defensive displays you ever see. So you just really don't know. They're such extremes. Yeah. Um, but their fixtures look good. So they've got West Ham, they're away at Burnley, they've got um, Brighton at home and then West Brom away. So the next four look really good. Yeah. Although maybe an error caution over the West Ham game because people um, West Ham have made a great start to the season. They look so solid defensively and in attack. Yeah. West Ham got two clean sheets in the last two. So, um, yeah, that's definitely not going to be an easy game. And I actually got a sneaky feeling West Ham might win that game. But uh, don't hold me to that. Right. Now we move on to the returning Chelsea assets. Now, everyone's been up in arms about Werner, me included. Uh, Havertz, probably expected a little bit more from him. Um, But the two cogs of that top four are returning. We've got Pulisic at 8.3 and we've got Ziyech at 7.9. Now, these are both fantastic options and they definitely make the other two better. But I think what I really want to talk about is if I was on a wild card now, which one of these two am I, would I really want? Yeah. And for me, there's some, there's some good things about both. So first of all, um, Ziyech, you pay 30 minutes for Morocco midweek. Uh, he's going to get his debut against Southampton. It's just, is it going to be from the bench or not? Um, obviously, he didn't, uh, the Dutch season finished early, so really, I don't know how many minutes he actually... I don't think he's played a lot of minutes at all competitively. It might be that half an hour in the last seven months. Mm. So it's really going to risk him. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't know uh, with his minutes how much he's going to play, so it may be a bit risky bringing him just yet. But his assist potential for Ajax was... Well, it was brilliant, and we obviously saw him in the Champions League. So he's at seven point nine. That's great value. Yeah, but then you look at Pulisic, and Pulisic, we know how good he was last year. Obviously, remember the game where he came on against Liverpool, and he he, he basically tore them a new one. And he's eight point three, so fantastic price. And another big thing for Pulisic is there's no international fixtures for the US on the horizon at all until after the new year. So you don't have to worry about him going away with the US, which is a big thing for me because I'd like as many players as possible in my team not to be playing international football. Yeah. So that's what makes the likes of Pulisic, the likes of Watkins a lot more interesting. Um, The only thing about Pulisic is, can we trust him to not get injured? 
no, you can't trust him to not get injured, unfortunately. Uh, you know, he's had a fairly poor injury record, not just in the Premier League, but I'm pretty sure in Bundesliga he had serious um, injury issues then as well. So I guess it it may cost you on one game, but you can always transfer him out if uh, he does get injured, I guess. But um, to be honest, out of the options, Pulisic or Ziyech, I would be looking at Pulisic because... I just think he looked very good last season when he did play. And I think he's got probably more scoring potential than Ziyech. I guess that's a bit of an early claim considering I haven't seen Ziyech in the Prem. But I really do think Pulisic would get more goals. Yeah, I guess the question is, though, is Pulisic just got breadsticks for for hamstrings? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because, well, we know what breadsticks are like. They just, they snap very easily. And that seems to be happening with Pulisic. You can play a couple of games, but all of a sudden, then... Then one of the breadsticks go. So I think what is making me really interested is Havertz. I actually think Havertz is going to be a much better option now with these two. Yeah, I definitely agree. Havertz um, is one that's caught my eye recently more than uh, at the start of the season. I wasn't sure at the start of the season, but now I feel like there's just going to be a lot of goals coming and a lot of assists coming. I think uh, he takes up quite a lot of good attacking positions. I think he's going to be in a lot of positions to score. So I'd probably say out of those three, he's going to get the most goals, maybe a bit of a claim, but I do think he actually would. Yeah, I actually, well, Havertz got a goal and an assist midweek for Germany. So it shows with the right players in place, he can really turn it on. And obviously he had a great end to the season with Leverkusen. So I really like, I really like the look of Havertz and I think he's a good captaincy option against Southampton if you're brave enough and you have him in your team. But um, I think Chelsea as a side, um, they're going to start really hitting form now with these players back in and th- those attacking options are just going to look better and better so I think you really want to be looking to Chelsea because there's such value there Yeah, I think um, I think maybe Werner will see an increase in value now potentially if he really flourishes under the new um, attacking line behind him to be honest, this may sound crazy but I'm really thinking of captaining him this weekend I don't think it does because they're going to play a high line and that would be perfect for him. Yeah, I just think if you want him to play against anyone in the Prem right now, I'd probably say Southampton with the high line they play. The only thing is, though, he's been so poor in the first four games. It's it's tough. It's a gamble, but we'll go on to captaincy in a bit, but there doesn't seem to be anyone stand out to me for the captaincy. So it's, it is a week for a gamble and I think that could be a good one. Yeah. Um. Chelsea's next fixtures, by the way. So they've got Southampton, then they've got Man United away. We've seen how United are defending. And then we've got Burnley and we've got Sheffield United. So the next four are decent uh, if you're looking to bring Chelsea players in. So if you're on your wild card, you want to be looking at the likes of Pulisic for sure. Yeah. I think the big thing for me is no international games for US. That's massive. Yeah, I, I would say though, if you're not on your wild card, I may, I may hold off for a couple of weeks in terms of bringing in a Chelsea player. I think you want to see the four play together and see which ones perform the best. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think a Chelsea asset, yes, you want to get ahead of the curve, but ahead of the curve doesn't mean before you're certain they're actually going to play. Yeah. Um, But all in all, those two are great options and Pulisic is definitely one to keep on our radars. Um, Right, let's move on to captaincy for this week. Now, I've seen some funny stuff in the community. Uh, I've seen people posting, oh, 
uh, if you don't listen to what everyone's saying, just pick the person who you think is going to get the most points. Well, no fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about captaining the player who was going to get the least. Um, I don't like. I don't think any of us looks down our sides and go, "Which one of these players are not going to get any points at all?" Because I'm afraid I might put the captain's armband on them. Yeah, I don't right. really, I don't really get that. I think that's quite wise from whoever said that on Twitter. I might have to rethink my team now. I can imagine it on those inspirational quote websites now. <laughs> Be like, FPL Donkey Kong said, pick the guy who's going to get the most points. It's just, it's that, that's the sort of thing that gets you into the top 1,000. It's that kind of knowledge. <laughs> that kind of knowledge. Um, so yeah, looking at the games. So for me, I've picked out who I believe are the top six options. Um, I've got Calvert-Lewin against Liverpool. And you've got Kane and Son against West Ham. Salah, Everton. And then KDB and Sterling against Arsenal now. Uh, Calvert-Lewin against Liverpool. He's got the highest non-XG for penalty takers. So his XG is the highest without penalties included. Liverpool let seven in against Villa in the last game. You've got Calvert-Lewin as an option. Don't feel comfortable giving him yet. And also Salah, who I've got the captain's arm bad at the moment, but it's the early game and no one likes captain in the early game. Yeah, that's the thing. It's always the early game and Everton have looked so strong at the start of the season. They probably look stronger than pretty much anyone. So it's kind of hard to captain someone against him, against them. But... It is Salah, and I think Salah, if you want to, if your tactic is to captain one player for the rest of the season, I think most people would agree that person should be Salah. So I would never argue against giving Salah the captain's armband. See, the, the reason so I hate captaining in the early game, and I know a lot of the community does, but the thing what Salah's got is I think Liverpool got slapped for seven in the last game, so they're going to really want to react. It's the Merseyside derby. They've got a great record against Everton away. He's going to want to prove a point. Mane's back. Thiago's back. I really think that Liverpool are going to be determined to put on a bit of a show. And I think just try and take out of your mind that it is the early game. Because I do think he's, I think he's the most dependable and the best option. Yeah, I think Salah's always one of the best options. I think right now, as you say, I think Liverpool will want to bounce back. Uh, Klopp won't be won't be happy with losing seven two to Villa, obviously, but Klopp will want to come back with a vengeance, and he'll want people he'll, he'll want Liverpool to show the people that Liverpool are still there to be feared. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think obviously Mane coming uh, coming back is going to be big. I know we've seen some stats that he performs better uh, with Mane without Mane, but I think that's a load of rubbish. Uh, I think Mane taking away some of the, the threat, leaving him more space is just going to play into his hands. And also, Digne got injured yesterday for France, which is big in terms of that um, defending against Salah. So I think he's a good option. Try not to try not to be too worried about the early kickoff. Then we so Calvert-Lewin, it's, it's too early to captain him, isn't it? I know he's got the highest XG, non-penalty. Liverpool's defence has been proper shaky. But you just don't feel comfortable giving him it yet, do you? Yeah, I'd just say if anyone's captaining Cavett-Lewin, I think it's a very, very brave shout. I mean, captaining someone against Liverpool, it's always a risky move. 
Yeah. But then Grealish and Watkins owners who, who captains them, stupidly, people would have thought, done unbelievable last week. So, I don't know. He's the informed player in the league. Yeah, so. but hindsight's a wonderful thing. Like, sure, Captain Grealish is a flipping amazing shout looking back now. But at the time, it's like, it's just, it just seems risky, you know? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but Calvert-Lewin is the most informed player in the league. Yeah, it's true. So if we're going to keep saying, oh, fixtures don't matter, form's the thing to go for, then there's no one with better form. I mean, I could definitely see Calvert-Lewin getting a goal, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, so could I. Still not going to caption him, though. No. <laughs> no, oh, God, no. <laughs> Making the argument for him, but the both of us are like, yeah, we're never captaining him. I'd, I'd just be too scared, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Kane and Son against West Ham. Now, West Ham look really solid. They look really good, especially since Moyes um, got positive COVID and he hasn't been there. He's just been doing it over Zoom. Um, he, like, I think it's probably because he's not in the changing room going, my precious. <laughs> oh God, he's not in the changing room phoning up Yanazai asking him to come join. Yeah, he's not in the changing room chasing Frodo round. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you got Kane and Son against West Ham. They're both obviously, like we've talked about, they've had two massive hauls each. But this is one of those games where West Ham are going to probably sit deep. Are they going to be able to break them down where a defence isn't really open? I don't know if I'm happy with captain in either Kane or Son. But again, Kane and Son are probably they're two of the three most informed players in the league. So if you're going over form over fixtures, you need to put the captain's armband on one of them if you have them, surely. Well, I have Son, and to be honest, it has been tempting at times to captain him against West Ham. But I kind of feel like that game's a captain trap. I feel like it looks like one of those games where like, they're playing West Ham at home. They've got two really good players in Kane and Son. Surely it's a no-brainer to captain them, but I really just think West Ham have looked really positive recently and I think they're going to make it a very tough game for Spurs and I couldn't see Spurs getting many goals, to be honest. Yeah, I actually think West Ham are going to win the game. <laughs> i just got a feeling they'll win the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think... The thing is, if I've got Son or Kane and they're home against West Ham, surely that's a better fixture than away at Everton. Yeah. Um, it's a really tough one. I think it's a trap too. I'm going to captain Salah. But I've got I've brought in Kane, so I really should be captaining him in this game. Yeah, um, no, you could you could argue definitely that with someone like Kane and your team, you should be captaining them in these games. But you could argue on the other side, West Ham are one of the most informed teams in the league. So is it actually an easy game or is it a hard game? Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Um, no, that's a good point. And then we've got Man City against Arsenal. Now, Arsenal have been pretty resolute away from home um, under Arteta at the start of this season. Um, KDB's got a bit of an injury doubt. I actually just think it's because he literally couldn't be asked to play Iceland. And then when Carrasco, and then when he put that lovely free ball to Carrasco and he put it away, he just went, I actually can't, I don't want to play with these guys because they're actually crap. So, it, really, it really did seem that way when he came off. It didn't really feel like he was injured. He was just kind of just there. Yeah, Marnes was like, what's wrong, KDB? What's wrong? And <laughs> just like, uh, have you seen them? They're shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing with that. And he was like, oh, fair enough. Sit down. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll come out tomorrow that KDB's fit to play against Arsenal. The reports are that he is. And with a lot more training photos of Aguero coming out, you, you really, I know KDB's had two captain blanks, but this could be the kind, he's got a really good record against Arsenal. This could be the game where he shines, especially if Aguero's fit. Yeah, I think uh, Aguero is always a great option on FPL. I think City so are in need of a striker right now. They need one of their strikers to come back from injury. And I think when Aguero does, he's going to bang in the goals. He's, uh, he's at a price of 10.4 as well, so he's had a price drop, which I find absolutely hilarious, to be honest, because I'm pretty sure we knew the whole time that he was injured. So I don't know why people are buying him and selling him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think uh, for Aguero, if City click, he's going to get goals and he can get hauls. And I feel like Arsenal is one of those games, as you say, he could just explode if he does play. Yeah, and obviously Sterling. Sterling didn't go on the internationals. Um, he decided that he had a little niggle. I don't blame him. He, he probably heard that Southgate was going to play five at the back and he went, actually, do you know what? My knee does hurt a little bit. <laughs> so I can uh, I can imagine that's what's happened. But um, Sterling's obviously a good option too. He got a goal against Leeds. Um, so what do you think about Sterling's captain option? I'm not really sure about the City game against Arsenal personally. I think... Um... It's one of those hard ones where I feel like one player like Sterling or Aguero, as I said before, could explode. But I'm also at the same time, I'm like, I could easily see City struggling. Yeah. So, um, if I was to decide between Sterling or Salah, I would go Salah personally. I think Salah is more likely to get a goal than Sterling would be. Okay. Well, I'm. I actually think Chelsea have got the best fixture. Um, but I don't have any Chelsea assets. So I'm captain in Salah, but you do have a Chelsea asset in Werner. So I think the ball is in your court of maybe taking the gamble or not. But Salah's ownership so high uh, in the top 10K that you know a lot of people are going to captain him, so it really will hurt if he does well. But I think that gamble on Werner might work. Yeah, such a tough one because I feel like I've been for the last couple of weeks, I've been like, I should just captain Salah every week and I'll probably do better off. And the last two weeks, I feel like it's burnt me, especially well, last week anyway, um, with two KDB blanks in a row. Um, but Werner is such a tough one. I feel like it's one of those games, if he gets in behind against Southampton, he could do the same as Son. Surely he could do the same as Son. Um, so I don't want to miss out on that. But at the same time, he hasn't shown me anything in the league so far, which makes me think that he's going to do really well because he's hardly created anything. And when he has created it, he's missed. So, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, well, to gamble or not to gamble. You can find out next week what Greg did. <laughs> but what I would say is don't just pick Salah because everyone else is. Pick who you think is going to the most points. That might be Salah. But I just pick the person who you think... Like, oh my God, I literally took the piss of that person saying that and I've just said it to you. Yeah, I was about to say it's some more wise words coming out. I thought <laughs> yeah. that, guy, that guy's rubbed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe there is something in it. Yeah, I really, I was really, really struggling. But now that you've said that, I, I just, it's such a no-brainer. I'm just going to pick the one who will get, get the most points. Yeah, it's easy as that. Easy <laughs> as that. Why don't we all do that? Um, <laughs> right, let's move on to our bro versus bro differential competition. Now, I'm currently 3-1 up. 
I'm losing 3-1 overall, but on the bro versus bro differential competition, I am winning. After Samedo done the business for me in the last game. Um, how are you going to pull it back, Greg? Who have you got, have you got for me as your differential this week? All right, well, I'm going to pull it back with Pulisic. Oh, pull it back, <laughs> yo. <laughs> Two halves this time. So, yeah, Pulisic is the one I'm going for this week. I think he's ready to come back. He's going to start for me personally. And they're against Southampton. As we said already, I think that is the best fixture as well. And um, with the high line they'll play, I think that'll play into Chelsea's favour. And we know from Pulisic last season, he can get goals and he can get assists and he can cause a lot of problems for a defence. So I think good option. Yeah, that's solid. That's solid. Oh, Captain America. That's a solid option. 3.2% ownership as well, by the way. 3.2%. Okay. That's under the 5% metric, what we said. So fair enough. I've got a Mr. Ollie Watkins. Now, 3.4% owned. Uh, he's against Leicester, who were poor against West Ham, especially at the back. And he got three goals against Liverpool. He's got Barkley behind him. He's got McGinn behind him. And he's also got Grealish behind him. Grealish is going to want to prove a point to Southgate after getting getting mugged off in the last two games. So he'll be putting the assists on the plate. And Watkins is going to be eating it all day. Watkins is going to be absolutely... He's going to be chewing that those assists down. It's going to be slotting it in the corner past Kasper Schmeichel every time. So I'm, te- so I'm telling you now, Ollie Watkins is going to make it 4-1 for Steve in the bro versus bro differential competition. What do you think about Ollie Watkins? I feel like if you said Ollie Watkins before last week, I would be saying flipping out that is an awful, awful show. I did say Ollie Watkins. <laughs> yeah. I said Ollie Watkins the week I lost the differential competition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um, him when he didn't score, but I'm backing him. I think the, I think the introduction of Barkley is going to be big. I think definitely, I think Aston Villa with the introduction of Barkley and Grealish, they got a good creative force behind uh, Watkins, which definitely suits him. But we've seen one game from Watkins where he's done really well. So is it reactionary? Who knows? Well, he's only played two games. Yeah, I know, but we've only seen one where he's performed well. So it's hard to know really yet what you're actually going to get from him. We haven't seen any games from Pulisic this season. Yeah, but we all know Pulisic is the boy. Hmm. Oh, breadsticks. <laughs> Saying that, I'm, re- I'm definitely want breadsticks in the next in the next couple of weeks. I want breadsticks. Uh, I don't know who's going to do my hummus, but I'm going to want. I, I'm going to definitely want some breadsticks. <laughs> I don't, so I'm, I've got. I'll, I'll have some breadsticks. I'll need a bit of hummus, and then see if I can find any olives. Just that will sort my side right out. Yeah, I reckon that's the way to go. <laughs> um right well thanks everyone for listening in oh wait actually before we go there's one question that we got asked which we need to quickly talk through so thank you to the first sub fpl podcast um they got in touch with us greg and they asked us is kdb a season keep for us and does the and does the current schedule over the next month and his injury worry us. Now, KDB for me is a season keeper as long as you don't get injured. Yeah. Um, I think 
I think, obviously, he was a top point scorer last season. Uh, he's on penalties. He's playing the number 10 role. Uh, I just think when Aguero comes back, everything's going to change for KDB. He hit the post in the last game against Leeds. We don't want to get too worried about those two um, fixtures where he blanked because he's still an amazing option. Everything go and sit through City goes through him now as he's the num- number 10, the main guy. He's on the pens. He's on most of the set pieces. He's on the free kicks. When you've got the likes of Diaz, so Diaz, a big centre-back, has just come in, more potential threat from corners. And then you've got Aguero. As soon as KDB has a striker, I think it's going to change for him. Yeah, I still think Bruyne is the best player in the league. I think um, it's going to revert to the mean soon. I know he's had two uh, poor blanks recently, but I think he's going to start racking in the points. And pre- He's pretty much on all the set pieces, so he'll be getting points through that. And I just think City is such an attacking asset when they're performing well, he's going to get points. Yeah, and I think another thing is that because City haven't started too well in the league, Pep can't afford to rest him now because the other teams will start pulling. I know Liverpool lost one game, but the other teams will start to pull away if City don't pick up form. They've lost to Leicester, they've drew with Leeds. So he's, he can't really rest KDB. So I'm, I wouldn't be too worried about him missing games. Yeah, 100% I agree. I think KDB um very unlikely to be dropped right now because City start, need, need to start racking in the wins. Yeah, and the fact that, like I said, he's on penalties, he's on free kicks. Diaz with the aerial threat. As soon as Aguero comes in, where someone who can actually put the ball in the goal. Great option. So, guys, we we say he is a season keeper. Definitely keep him in. Yeah, 100%. I think don't let... Until, <laughs> until Pep comes out tomorrow and says he's injured. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> yeah, and then just forget that and just get him out as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Good luck this game week. Thank God the international break is over. Just 25 days until it's back. Ugh. But uh, thank you for tuning in and cheers, Greg, for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and um, I hope you enjoy the West Brom Burnley game on box office for £15. Yeah, otherwise known as Total Sport.